Yeah. We, we are the epitome of black female love. It's yeah. easy for us as, as black women to, to hold up the banner and the call for everyone else. But again, who's, who holds up the banner and the calls for That we as a black church are perpetuating the mm -hmm. same behavior as a patriarchal evangelicals have been yes. doing. Ladies, 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 hello, hello, hello. It's so good to see you all. Good to have you here. And um, <laughs> um, we bless God um, for you all today. Dr. Bradford, I'm going to start with you. Um, how are you doing? We haven't seen you in a while. Let me see if I let me see if that's some shade or sincere sincerity. <laughs> <laughs> oh, how have you been? Everything is well on this end. Just God is doing some great things, and I'm grateful to know um, that we're moving forward in all of it. Oh wow! Oh wow! Wow! Okay, so so listen to you. You 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 went you you got real just you know super you know all on the just then you know I'm just real happy and things have been oh, really that's good. What so right, but I'm we haven't seen you. We have not seen you. Okay, this broadcast year. So Bradford, how you doing? How you be? What you been doing? Listen, I'm trying trying to um get my voice together because I've been have some some type of laryngitis something going on i don't know yeah. but i am fine okay well let me flip the script how have you been doing you can't you can't flip the script they've been they know i've been i've been here every week okay so you, you can't flip you can't flip the, you can't flip the script so so let's see sharon mitchell from michigan so good glad that you're here with us on today um, let's see who else. Um, Erlen Reynolds, all the way from St. Lou, Missouri. So good to have you with us today. Uh, Sherry Brown Jackson from New Orleans. So good to have you with us. Uh, Yvonne Williams. Yvonne Williams. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. All the way from Grand Prairie, Texas. Come on. Let us know that you are here and that you're listening on today, waiting on our other two co-hosts. Dr. Wallace was backstage with us and then she just... Voila, just disappeared on us. She did the magic trick on us today. And so we bless God. I need Wright to come on back in so we can talk about um 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 I so we can talk about what, what is happening um where I am today in the nation's capital. Um if I had known it was gonna go down like this, y'all, I would have gotten my ticket so that I could have been sitting um in the chambers today so I could have watched it um in person. 
<laughs> um, Elder, Elder Dilly, thank you for joining us. Uh, Dr. Shazetta, thank you. So y'all, can you can y'all believe it? Y'all talk to us. Come on, audience. You all talk to us. My goodness. My goodness, y'all. Can you all believe what is happening in our nation's capital? Come on, y'all. Y'all talk to us. Wallace, how you doing? You what what city you in? You're not in Georgia. What what, what city you in today? Oklahoma City. <laughs> wow. Ooh, so, um, so Bradford, have you listened to any of that on the news? I literally I, I rearranged my day. Uh, so that I could um, watch watch the votes. Um, I had no idea until you mentioned it just a minute ago. Yeah, I've been watching on and off, but this has been a crazy day trying to get in, trying to make sure that I can hear, but I've not heard everything. So I know you have. So enlighten us. Oh, yeah. Okay. Right, so I actually got a chance to watch Matt Gates. Um, I can't remember if it was Sunday or Monday that he was on CNN, but he did an interview. And um, and essentially, he said that you know he was going to call for that he that McCarthy needed to be removed yeah. um, primarily because McCarthy worked with Democrats to keep the government from shutting down, and mm -hmm. so he was real upset um, about about that occurring. And so Matt Gates out of Florida um, did that because yeah, if you all can remember, of of uh, yes, that same Matt Gates. Right, and 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 the CNN uh, commentator actually asked him. You know, um, some of us really, you know, we're, we're wondering: Are you really kind of doing this just because you're upset that McCarthy is allowing this investigation right to happen with you? And he was like, "Oh no, no, um, um, that's not the reason. You know, we need to do these line item kind of adjustments and da 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 da." And so anyway, on today, and, and if we can remember back in January that McCarthy kept making, you know, all of these concessions and concessions. And so one of the things, the concessions he made is that there only had to be one person who could contest the speakership and he allowed it. And that is what happened on today. And one person contested it and um, he's been ousted as, as, as the speaker, yes. this is so. Yes. Who they, they took him forever to get him. So who are they gonna put up now? <laughs> um. Well, now they've been they they are dismissed to go into their um, particular caucuses um to decide. And Democrats have said adamantly, it's not for us to help the Republicans choose whoever their leader is. That's on them. Why right? they're the majority, so they need to choose their own leader. Mm -hmm. And um, so we'll see if McCarthy's gonna you know run again. And, all his uh, life, he's all he wanted to be was speaker. He could not stand <laughs> it that Pelosi was speaker forever. Well, guess what? He he's speaker. Um, so I mean, and he's unspeaker. Not what it took him two months to nominate him and vote for him. So this has been ten months, right? Uh, right this now. is. This is, um, he hadn't been there for 10 months yet. You know, if he had made it through this month, it would have been 10. But this is the other thing, right? And when we look at this, um, when we talk about our people that we put in office and, and us being on the brink of the government shutdown, do you know that, that, the, that those who don't vote for it, right? The, mm -hmm. the Congress and the Senate, they still get paid. Yes, yeah. we're, we don't. We're, we're, right, where none of the other federal employees get their pay 
but they still have to go to work. And that's the thing. I, hey. That right there just blows me away. Y'all fighting over a shutdown, but you you are still getting paid. That still getting blows paid. me away. You you yeah. are. People are laying in balance. Don't, don't, they don't know what to do. Waiting on you to say yes or no. But all of you who are making these these rules continue to get paid. Yeah. I'm wrong with that picture, right? Uh, is it though? Oh, it's plenty wrong with oh, never mind that their insurance is better than a hundred anybody in the world. Thank you. Oh, yeah, anybody in the world. Thank you. Never mind that. Mm. Go, go okay. on. Mm-hmm. I can't wait to see who they're gonna put up for because I know what's his name is they can't possibly put crazy in there that that asked for right. that now. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. When you say crazy, I you know I really, which anybody I mean, from Florida, Florida. anybody from the state that I grew up in is crazy. Florida. Okay, so what about Texas? Government or is, what about what about I mean, Marjorie Green? I mean, when you say crazy, there's a whole list in the in the party. Come on now. Come this on. Is, this is true. I don't think I have <laughs> enough hands or fingers to count them. Okay, and so wait a minute, but okay, before I bring the guest up, I, I would be remiss if I did not bring up 45 and his little tantrums that he's I having up in New York. Oh right. yeah. yeah, because you know that the judge has already ruled against him, and so now they're just looking at the level of um um of 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 of, of guilt that what he'll have to pay in retribution uh, pay, but now he got a gag order placed on him. Issued no. by this. yes, because he decided that he got mad at the clerk, and so he put a post of the clerk of the judge's clerk next to um, Schumer and said that this was Schumer's um, mistress. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Just for no reason. But not to mention the amount of money that's being spent on all this. They talk about shutdown, but look at all the money that's being spent on this foolishness, as well as the money that's being spent trying to impeach Biden for something when he wasn't even in office. I got some crazy kids too. I'd like to say that they're perfect, but y'all, they ain't perfect. I mean, I, they they can they can speak in tongues. They can say they're not the pastor and everything else. But I, I'm, I'm just, can I just be real transparent? At the right time, they gonna cuss you out. You and I come into a corner, they don't cuss you out. They I, got a, I got a daughter like that as well. It don't take but that much. Well, it doesn't okay. mean that I want them to do it, but I'm just saying, I don't have any control over my grown kids. You don't. So Yeah, yeah. it seems like they're trying to impeach him for being a father, right? Exactly. Just being a dad to exactly. his child. Especially since this yeah. is his only living child. Yeah. Oh my yeah. gosh. That is so mean. Well, you all, we are blessed to have a guest um, backstage, Dr. Kathy Royal. Let me introduce her. Um, um, I'm going to give some highlights of of just um, of of the intellect and, and, and the work that she's done. But Dr. Kathy L. Royal is a human and organization development professional with specialties in social justice, leadership, appreciative inquiry 
and organization transformation. She is the owner and senior consultant of the Royal Territory and Organization and Community Development Practice in Lanham, Maryland. She is an adjunct professor at Colorado Technical University. Um, she developed the Quadrant Behavior Theory, a dynamic theory and experiential um, program that supports change agents in expanding their understanding of the behaviors that create and sustain exclusion in societies and systems. She delivers a master class on QBT for colleges, communities, and trainers. She is recognized as a subject matter expert in appreciative inquiry, social justice, and inclusion organization development, use of self, gender, and race identity construction, and leadership development. She's been honored in her community for working with young women and girls for over 30 years using appreciative inquiry for self-development and affirmation. In 2011, the United Nations um, Year of People of African Descent, she was selected to present at the UN-sanctioned African Family Reunion in Cali, Colombia, South America. She presented her work on affirmative identity, gender, and appreciative inquiry at the 2014 Johannesburg, South Africa, and the 2019 Commuter Nepal Appreciative Inquiry World Summits, she facilitates executive teams and senior management through AI and solution-focused methodologies. Governments, communities, and corporations have recognized her for her work on systems inequality and the creation of equity in the work environment. She is a long-standing community activist and has been honored for her work with the Spirit of Detroit, Congressional Task Force on Women Award, and Dover Afro-Latino American Society Award, the Fielding University Social Justice Award, and many, many more. She served as the guest editor for the special issues of OD Practitioner in, her, in Our Own Voice, The Experience and Challenges of People of Color in Organizational Development. You all, I am very pleased today uh, to have with me a phenomenal woman that I had the opportunity of meeting um, and engaging with this summer. Um, will you all welcome Dr. Kathy Royal, our Yoruba priest, who is visiting and sitting with us on today. Hello, 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 Dr. Royal. Welcome, welcome. Mm, 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 mm. How exciting. Oh my goodness. <laughs> well, first of all, Modupue, Modupue, oh, Modupue, Iami, ah, Adupue, oh, Dadani. What I just said was thank you so much. Thank you, Iami. Thank you, my sister. Thank you, my mother because we are certainly all old enough to have the title of mother. Thank you for such a wonderful introduction. I, I, am, uh, <laughs> I am honored. Um, thank you. So uh, <laughs> I'm kind of resettling myself, thinking about all the interesting information that came forward as we talked about what's going on in um, the nation's capital. I am in walking distance of Washington, D.C. in Lanham, Maryland, on the northeast side of the district. Um, 
20 years ago, I could walk into the district, you know, like, okay, let's just, let's go see what's going on on the Capitol. Well, at this point in my life, I'm basically saying, okay, let's ride into DC. <laughs> <laughs> so with wisdom comes a little bit of understanding of, I could probably still walk in with a cane and all that other stuff, but they have to carry me back <laughs> to my home. And just to update, uh, Dr. Venice, I am literally off the cane. So when I met uh, doctor, I had a, a hip injury that was uh, transforming, really, in terms of thinking about what might have it been like to be in the hull of a ship coming across a great body of water, absolutely helpless. Absolutely to depend on the kindness of strangers um, or the viciousness of your enemy whom you had no idea of who they were or what had happened to you. I am not at all trying to intimate or attach my experience of being incapacitated on a ship, in the hull of a ship and unable to care for myself with what happened in the middle passage. But as I was on that ship, I realized that there were things I needed to pay attention to. Not anything like what happened as Maya Angelou would say, Dr. Maya Angelou, um, as women and men of African descent came to the United States, the shores of the United States, arriving on a nightmare, mm. hoping for a dream. Mm. Dr. Maya Angelou, on the presence of mourning, the inaugural poem that installed William Jefferson Clinton as the president of the United States. If you had an opportunity to hear her deliver it, you had an opportunity, but it is still available. And one of the phrases that I remember so significantly from it was just that notion of coming across that ocean, arriving on a nightmare and hoping for a dream. Wow, wow. Mm. So, yeah. And as I thought about that, I thought about how it is that my story, um, which I'm delighted to talk about, delighted and humbled to talk with you about tonight, my story of how I became a Yordaba woman mm -hmm. and what actually is Yordaba. Mm -hmm. And Yordaba is the largest ethnic group uh, in the great nation of Nigeria, who just celebrated uh, an Independence Day on um, October 1st. And who are this, who is this group of people and what is this culture? Because Yoruba is a group of people, it is an ethnic group uh, that runs across Africa. It's not just found in Nigeria, but Yoruba culture is one of the oldest cultures in the world. The Yoruba had their own um, alphabet before colonization, before the invasions. Okay. They um, are in the nation of Nigeria, but they also encompass the nation of Ghana and the uh, nation of Benin. Mm -hmm. And what I mean by that is when the Yoruba at the height of the notion of who this group of people is and were, they did not have the boundaries that King Leopold and the Belgian Congo Conference established and drew lines and destroyed nations or Yoruba or, or ethnic groups. So 
so we had our own language. We had, we still have our own rules and guidelines and, and principles of culture, but we also are a religious group. We are a spiritual group. And one of my teachers whom I am just eternally grateful to um, for the knowledge that he has given me over the last when we were young, we played a lot together. And now that he is old and wise and an elder, and I'm old and wise enough to respect him as an elder, we don't do as much uh, kibitzing around. I have been privileged to know, uh, oh my goodness, four of his five wives, and am just from a retreat with his first wife, uh, Mama Bisi. He is the Agbaye Awese, or the Awese Agbaye, which means the elder or the one who brings truth to the Yoruba of the world. And that is a title bestowed upon him by the Oni of Ile Ife, which is the, means the king or the elder of our culture. And so his wisdom is amazing. And the reality of it is that's the, the part that is the front facing part in terms of our cultural heritage. The religious part is where I am just um, so delighted to be able to say both as a person, both as a African living in America, I can trace my DNA back to the Yoruba nation, back to Yoruba culture, back to the kingdom of Oyo. And so that was one of the reasons that I ended up on this quote unquote footpath. But it is a religious group. It is one of the largest religious groups in the world. According to the UN, it is the fifth largest religious group in the world and growing. And it is not just African-American. It is not just African. It is global, which sometimes causes great consternation in the United States because Yoruba people, people who have embraced Yoruba in the United States get so exercised around, well, now here comes some people taking our black stuff again. It's not enough that you took us out of Africa and you took the drum from us, you took the language from us, you took the alphabet from us, you took our land, you took our culture, you made it illegal, forbidden, on pain of death to speak our language, our culture, and now here you come back to try to get back in on it. Because it was a good thing then and it's a good thing now. So how does that impact the faith and the spirituality that I have come to embrace. I am a preacher's kid. So I grew up in the Baptist church. I grew up in the black Baptist church. My great grandmother, whom I have the most uh, spiritual and earthly connection with still, Eleonora was both uh, a mother in the church and I have one of my favorite pictures of her with a shovel where she was digging the ground on which the church that we lived in, prayed in for so long, she broke the ground. So Ellen is in me. There's no question about that. Um, but Ellen was also a very, uh, she was a seer. She was a spiritual woman. She used to say to me, this is one of my favorite stories about my mother, Benita. She was as 
fair as any white woman. And I was as dark as a child right now as any pecan colored little black girl. And so there were all these dramas when she and I were together. But Ellen Nora used to say to me, you are the one. And all of my cousins still today say that there were two of us out of this myriad of, of great, great grandchildren that she had that Ellen loved the best. And I was how did she love me the best? She said, oh, yes, she did. You and James Herman. But for me, the reason why I do believe is because um, she helped raise me. There's just no, she left an imprint on me. She could tell women who were expecting children what the identity of the baby would be without an ultrasound, without a picture, without medical training. If she put her hand on your belly and kept it there, she would say, well, I don't know, but I believe this is a girl. Ask me how I know. Because when I was a girl and I was pregnant, I wanted four boys. And she touched me, oh, no, this is a girl. I was so mad with Big Mom. <laughs> Can you go back and change? She said, no, you're going to be all right. But Eleanor was also an herbalist. Mm -hmm. um, and she taught me things about how to make the earth bloom. When we talk about organic farming, African-American farmers are the original organic farmers in the United States of America, sometimes spelled with a K, and all over the world. Oh. So in that, and in her spirituality, and in her having that dual track, and, and my father having a dual track of recognizing the power of prayer across religious beliefs and across spirituality, um, the path was not so difficult to follow, to look at what it meant to be an African in America and to look at black spirituality. And I, I didn't expect that. So, I so, so let me let me ask you this, if if I can, Doctor Roy, oh, because you, you 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 said that you you were you were raised. Um, what 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 do what what do you find to be either the differences or the similarity between um, Yoruba and and Black Christianity? Whoa, and there you have it. <laughs> <laughs> and there you have it. Um, the Africans that came from uh, the old country, as we affectionately say, to the United States, brought with them music and brought with them the heartbeat of the drum. And the drums beat and our heartbeat, if you listen to the syncopation, it is the same. When you hear the drum, you, you can hear the heartbeat of your body. And that, that piece of music that came with us and and even when it was even when it was forbidden by death enslaved africans knew how to beat that drum beat that beat your feet beat your spoons uh all of that and so in alabama which is my native land in america all of us knew the drum and in the church there was the music and sometimes I would get chastised. So full disclosure, I would get chastised by wanting the music more than I wanted the message. And so my mm -hmm. father would say, our text for today 
And if he would say our text for today, he was basically about to tell me something. If he said, <laughs> and the rest of us would look over and say, oh, you in trouble now. If he said, what manner of man, I'd look at my brother and say, oh, you hit. <laughs> Whatever we had been up to during our lifetime. But there is such a synchronicity between the music of the black church, the spirituality of the black church, the notion of and the songs that we sing uh, in Yoruba and the understanding of what came with enslaved Africans into America was so deeply in the black church. I can't say about other denominations and in the African Methodist Episcopalian church as well. I've seen it there, but that connection to music, that connection to the ancestors, that reverence for elders, the music that uh, sent messages, weighed in the water, mm. God's gonna trouble the water and the idea of reverence for the belief that God is everywhere, oh. not one place, and that God is in us. And the idea of eldership and understanding the ability to pray for a change. And in Yoruba, one of the things that we believe in, as I know, is very much connected in the Black church in the United States is the power of unified prayer, mm. praying together to change a situation and not just world situations, but to change the vibration in a person, to change the vibration in a family. And the song, I'm so glad my mama prayed for me. And so prayer, that power of prayer and the power of the, the, the words in prayer is really a, the strongest connection that I can um, speak about. The notion of the Bible and the notions of the Apotiki or the sacred texts of the Yoruba, both of them are teaching instruments and they have such similar things in them. Um, mm -hmm. The wisdom of Solomon is in how we're taught about um, the work of elders, one of my, my, my favorite that I say when I work with uh, young women who are on their path, and I took a little license with it, so I changed it a little bit. The apotheke, um that I love the most, and you, so this is a prayer for the women on this uh, podcast. This is a prayer for timely wisdom. And the message goes, a working queen is a loved queen. And so the idea that you, you are with your people, if you are a, uh, if you are a sincere priest, and I'm only speaking about how I learned it, you are with your people. There is nothing you would ask your mentee to do that you have not done or would not do with her. You are in your community. So that notion of the pastor, the priest, 
the uh, the elder being in the community and not away from the community is key. And that if you are a chief in uh, a Yoruba community, your responsibility is not to garner wealth, but your responsibility is to take care of the community. So if someone in your uh, in your community is hungry, that's on you, because as a chief, that person should not be hungry. So if someone is a widow and the children are needy and you are not paying attention, that's on you. Because as a chief, when you are bestowed that title, to whom much is given, much is required, your work is to make sure your community is safe. Just so, like sounds like womanism to me, Doc. <laughs> a working queen is a loved queen. So, so let me let me pick let me pick up right with that though, because you because you, you use the term queen and working queen, right? And so in most religions, because you're 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 um you're a priest, correct? Mm-hmm. Okay, so in most religions, women are often overlooked or deemed unworthy to hold positions of leadership. Mm-hmm. So how long have you been a priest and how were you elevated? And I had to get at them a couple of times to use the children's <laughs> phrases. <laughs> I um, was, I, mm, 1983 is when I was taken to the door of the, the, the threshold to become a new person for that transformation by the Reverend Jeremiah Wright. Shut up. <laughs> of Trinity United Church in Christ. That was the tri- church I was attending. With Shut the friend. front door. <laughs> that part. We affectionately used to call him Pastor with a Porsche. See, y'all don't know him. yes trinity united church of christ um my children still love jeremiah wright i love jeremiah wright i love him because he was so open to the work that i was doing in the world in chicago this was in chicago illinois and as you know anything about jeremiah before he retired his church was on 95th and the dan ryan and I lived in on the north side of Chicago and worked at the Latin School of Chicago. And my job was to um, give exposure to the Latin School to African-American children in order to provide a better connection as a community liaison. And Dr. Wright and Dr. Margaret Burroughs, who founded the DuSable Museum, were my two patrons, my two protectors in um, in Chicago at that time, because I'm a girl from Detroit. And so coming into any new community, <laughs> you you know, you, you move into the community and get protection. So Jeremiah would come to the Latin School of Chicago and on any given day, he'd say, he would come in and everybody would lose their minds because there was Jeremiah or Reverend Wright. He said, I just came to see about you today. I was in the neighborhood, so I thought I'd stop in and see how you were doing. And he certainly provided a whole different level of Black protection. And Mm -hmm. so did Dr. Burroughs as a Black woman, founder of DuSable Museum. I don't take the title priestess. And the reason I don't take the title is because same as 
what we saw just recently in the Screen Actors Guild, Screen Actors. Once you put some titles in place, you change the conversation about what I can and cannot do. So mm. I am a priest. <laughs> Yes, Lord. And I don't say to other people, women or men, that their title is their title. But if I'm for social justice in the world, and if I'm demanding equity at the intersection of race and gender and all of those other socially constructed identities, in my religious life, I'm asking for the same thing. I'm asking that you recognize that I can lift you up. I can pray you over. I can bring you back. I can talk with you about the life and struggle that you have. I can quote Odoo. I can drop the uh, Marine Day Lagoon. I can read the Obi. The only thing I don't do because I chose not to get that initiation is I do not drop the Opuele, which is the sacred um, chain that we also divine upon. My God. So why I got to do something else. And when I, when I speak about that, people will say, yeah, but we have always been, yes, we have always been, but we are not always going to be. And so the Mm -hmm. only thing I'm looking for is the understanding that women are the vessel in, in Yoruba that bring, we bring the noise. And Mm -hmm. so, Mm -hmm. You know, when people ask what goes on this, there is no place on earth that I know of. Now, y'all check me. So this is the behavioral scientist speaking now, who is also a Yoruba priest of close to 40 years. There is no place on earth that values women at the same degree that it values men. Mm. Check. Wow. Do your research. Don't take my word for it. No place. On we, don't earth. <laughs> we don't have to check you. <laughs> so in my religious community, that is the same. Now, there are some wonderful men in the Yoruba community who are womanists and who recognize that when you have touched a woman, you have touched a rock, Winnie Mandela. And so I find those men and women who have a womanist viewpoint and who love Yoruba and who love the messages that come through our various ways of prayer and divination and changing the earth and we work together. And we have a wonderful network of, you know, if you're going to work with Baba Femi, then this is what you need to know. If you're going to work or don't work with him, because this is how it's going to go down and you're not going to be happy. So finding a Yoruba home, finding a church home, recognizing your lineage is very important if you want the integrity that you say you want. So if I'm looking for what is written in the apothecies, what is written in our, our religious scripture is that women and men work together. It is the yin and the yang. It became man's work to change all of that. 
And it doesn't say that men do or can do or don't do. It says work together. In the Yoruba that I live and in the communities where my leadership is respected and my work is uh, valued, we talk about the importance of balance. And we also talk about that in Yoruba, Yoruba philosophy, Yoruba culture, the highest form of relationship is good friendship above and beyond, quote unquote, the sacred bonds of marriage. We're not telling people not to get married. As a matter of fact, that is a very strong point. But when we counsel around marriage, we also say, marry your friend or become friends with the person you marry. Because when you are in a relationship of friendship, then you are in the highest order. Because woman and man in marriage can be dire enemies if there is no friendship. And so that relationship of your the sacred bonds of friendship. And I work and mentor women to recognize what it means to be a good friend to another woman what it means to be a good friend to a man that you are not sexual with. Let's not get it twisted. Every man, you like I told my daughter one time, you can't sleep with everybody that wants to sleep with you. So you might want to figure out who your friends are as you embark upon this life of young womanhood and be, because my daughter is gorgeous. Well, you know what you do when you are teaching and be, and doing, um, uh, initiation ceremonies or when you're doing rites of passage. Rites of passage must have the integrity of understanding your own sexuality as you are in, in the church or in Yoruba and that everything comes at you out of your hormonal shift and you're like, oh my God, this is a world of candy and let me just go get everything because ooh, 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 ooh. Settle down. Slow your roll, because one thing is for sure, you're going to be here a long time, so plan your pace. And as a Yoruba woman who is always fighting uh, sexism, my role is that I am, as a Yoruba woman, the divine feminine. And my work is to make sure that my divineness is appreciated by the sacred masculine. And so that conversation is one that I give my, my daughters, my young women. I talk about the sacred masculine with the men in my community and with the young men that are also part of my community. And when it, when it finally sinks in, their decisions are different. And so sometimes I will say to them, not so much my children now because all of my children are grown and uh, over 50 and I'm raising my, I'm not raising, I am being, I'm participating in the growth and raising of my grandchildren. And I'm, my first godchild was with me this weekend and it was magical because she and I were talking about when her mom was giving birth and I said, you know, you know what your mom said when she was pregnant, she was in the hospital. She said she heard my bracelets because I wear silver bracelets as a mark of being a daughter of Yemen Jah. 
And she said, I heard your bracelets coming down the hall and I knew it was okay for me to have this baby because the priest was in the house. And can you imagine how wonderful that is to have that young woman still with me, still in my life, still coming. If I said, I need you to come be here. She's in California. I was in California. I said, Akoswa, I, I need to see you. She says, I'll be right there. And she was there. She was, I have a picture. So that notion of raising someone and being, being respected as someone who had good advice. For me, that's what a Yoruba priest, that is what a woman of faith does. I'm not going to steer you wrong if I can possibly avoid it. So I, I, it's just an honor, you know, she's married now, she's got her own business and she dropped everything to come see her godmother. And that right there is just, for me, that's an e-ticket ride. That is the best. If I could ask anything of my faith, that it is demonstrated through that. And for her to so, ask questions. So let me pick up there, because you, you I, um, right at the part where you say you're not gonna do anything to, to, to steer you wrong. Um, what are some major misconceptions then that people have about Yoruba and why do you think uh, this is so? Um, well, let me, let, me, let me answer that by saying it is a real honor to be in this community and talking about my religion. Because one of the things that I certainly learned at my mom's church, at my dad's church, was that Africa had nothing for us. Everybody over there was National Geographic. And that's the only thing in the late 40s, early 50s, 60s, that Black people really learned about African people. And it put such a division in the community. And the misconception is that Yoruba people don't believe in God and that we eat people. Two different misconceptions, but longstanding coming out of the, the white church and the idea that the Pope who has apologized right. made it okay to hunt us, to kill us, to enslave us, to rape us, to beat us, to rob us. And so if you are going to do that to someone, you must include misconceptions. And that is something that the Church of England, the Germanic uh, community, German community, the Germanic community, and the United States is deeply, deeply implicated in. And the church preached the misconceptions that we must, it is our manifest destiny to train heathens to be different. And we still have that in Africa, not just in the Yoruba community, but across Africa, the missionaries in Africa and in all of the diaspora. So that's one of the places it came from. The other places that it comes from is the notion of greed, that if I don't tell you that I am better, or my phrase, the white man's ice is colder, you won't work hard enough for me. You won't believe me. Therefore, I must make you believe that there is nothing in your identity, in your DNA makeup that is worthy. So therefore you must try to be me. 
And then there is the understanding that the church needs me. And so long before we even came to realize all the things that were taken from us, the church was the one place where we held the community organizing. And so some of the misconceptions come from that. And some of the misconceptions come from the patriarchy. If you don't have people to follow you into the patriarchy, you don't have patriarchy. Wow. Wow. That right there. I, I, I want to ask you, because early on you were talking about the, the praying and the singing and the praying and how that went. And um, it kind of reminded me of the, the spiritualist church churches. Mm -hmm. um, it seemed like there was quite a connection. Are you familiar with those? I am. Okay. Mm -hmm. Can you kind of elaborate on how, because they, they, the culture, the way they dress, the way they worship, uh, it has the um, old type of, uh, what word am I looking for? It's, it's kind of fashioned like the older, older religions or, 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 or back in an uh, slave type religious way. Mm -hmm. But what I know is that, um, and back to uh, what you said also, Dr. Venice, is the idea of being able to open yourself up, open your, open your spiritual body, not this physical body, but the, the spiritualness of spirituality leads you to a different level of engagement with God. And what I mean by that is, you know, when I was in church as a young girl, I remember, and I said this uh, at, a, at another uh, presentation, our pastor, Dr. James Moss, at that time, preached a sermon that said, go home and get quiet and talk to your God, not the God, not God, but your God, and ask him to come into your life. And I was 13. And at that point, you know, we were singing. I was in the inspirational choir. I was so excited. And I went home and I, 3201 Burlingame, Detroit, Michigan, zip code six. And I went home and I got in my bedroom and I closed the door and I, I talked to God. And from that moment, I felt God come into me. Wow. And so I am God led. And in that God leading, this is the path that that God put me on. But that idea in the spiritual church, in the Black Baptist church of shouting and dancing and getting happy, mm -hmm. uh, I grew up with that. So when the drum hits in African traditions, I'm I'm useless. I, some, I told somebody, y'all ain't gonna invite me no more because you know I'm a dance. You know, mm -hmm. you know that. And you know that my Orisha, I am a daughter of Yemen Ja, which is the mother of the great waters. I'm, my number is seven. I said, you know, she's coming. So everybody watch out. She's coming. She's going to bring a message. So if it's talking in tongues, then that is it. I can, I have done that. And it, the first time it happened to me, I was in church and I, I can still remember flying 
down the aisle and flying back. I, I don't know. And, you know, I can hear my great grandmother say, somebody catch her. Because, you know, you don't want to hurt yourself during that because you don't know what you're doing in that state. So that state of transformation, the spiritual church does that. The Black Baptist Church does, did that, does that for me. And Yoruba does that. And so that thing is being open to the energy in the world that elevates you, that uh, connects you to the God force. Mm -hmm. And so that for me is another one of those connections. So possession or that spiritual energy was not foreign to me. It was foreign to me in recognizing how intense it can be um, as a Yoruba woman who recognizes that I have that ability. Um, and, and I'm hoping, I can't say what's gonna happen. I'm hoping that the next time I'm in ceremony that I'll, I'll still be blessed to have that level of what we talk about as um, the Orisha mounting you or possessing you. Wow. And I don't see a whole bunch of difference, but I do know that I don't talk in tongues, but I do know that the Orisha speak through me. Mm. Amen. Amen. Wow. Um, were you about to say something else, Dr. Wright? I was wondering, I was trying to look and see where we were with our time. Um, okay. we, have about, we have about good four minutes left. Oh, I'm so sorry. Oh, no, you're fine. You're fine. This is very interesting and very enlightening as well. Um, you talked about being a storyteller. Do you relate that to the griots in Africa, of Africa? Absolutely. Absolutely. Before we had... Before Preacher. we had preacher, go ahead. It's okay. You're in a safe zone. Before we had TikTok and Instagram and Facebook and telephones and smartphones and TVs and YouTube and her tube and my tube, we had our families. And in every family, there was somebody who carried the historical memory of the family. Yes. And yes. Uncle John said that this was, and when he came from, and we have wonderful phrases in my grandmother's, because uh, I learned storytelling at my grandmother's skirt tail. And, you know, I was always, excuse the expression, I was always ear hustling so I could listen to what they were saying because, you know, they were the best. And they would, you know, they could give you a look and, you know, and just all kinds of amazing things about black women in the family, in the kitchen. Okay. <laughs> in the heart of the house. And so they would teach through their own preaching and they would teach through stories. But in Africa or and in Africa, that was the call of the community to come to hear the elder talk at the palaba tree, which was the meeting house or the baobab tree. And that's where decisions were made. And the decisions were made through stories that were told about the great elders or the great heroes 
of that community, of that tribe. But the beautiful thing about uh, being a griot or being a holder of the culture through our stories was even the understanding of the intonation of a phrase. So for example, when I, um, when I enter someone's home who is a Yoruba, but actually when I enter my family's homes, you know, my relatives' homes and things like this, I always say, I go Ilay. And I go Ilay means attention house. I go is attention. And Ilay is the Yoruba term for house. So I'm asking the house spirits, I'm asking the head of the household, may I come in? I go Ilay. Well, I go Ilay, the tonality is what's important about it because the children in a community know that I go also means attention. So I go Ilay is attention, but I go Ilay can also mean attention community. And so when there is trouble afoot, you can hear someone saying, I go. And when you really want a child's attention, even my grandchildren know this right now. If I say, I go, I don't care what you're doing. You can be doing anything you want to, but if I say, I go, that means, okay, so I need to tell you something. But if I say, I go, that is the call for the community to get to the palabotry or to get to safety. Children come home. Danger is afoot. And so this notion of telling stories so that children recognize through stories when someone is telling you more than just the story. I'm telling you the background of the story. Wow. Powerful. Powerful. That's it for me when you said that. <laughs> this has been very, very enlightening and, and just really, really wonderful. I learned so much in such a short period of time. And I we can't thank you enough for coming on and sharing with us and sharing your story with us. And so I, let me ask, you said you don't take the title priestess, but you are a priestess. So how do we address you? Um, in the front of my name is the title Iabeji. Mm -hmm. And uh, as an elder in the community, I'm always referred to as Ia, meaning mother. And, you know, in the black community, it's auntie. Sometimes it's Miss mm -hmm. Maddie, Mother Mother Pearl, or things like that. So Ia means mother. Ia Beji is a title that has been blessed on me because I am the mother of twins. And that, oh. is, a <laughs> that is a praise name for women who have twins. And the Yoruba women are one of the most prolific groups of women in the world bearing twins. We are only outdistanced uh, at sometimes by uh, ethnic groups in China, but we have more twins in that culture um, than most cultures in terms of double births or single births. So, Ia Beiji. When it doesn't roll off your tongue, don't worry, Ia. <laughs> and it's like Ia. Ia! Ia. <laughs> Well, thank you so much, Dr. Rory, for being with us. And today we have exceeded our time. 
um, with you on today. We blessed. Um, we are grateful and thankful. Audience, if you've been blessed by this on today, please let our guests know. Uh, she'll be able to see it in the chat. Hang around backstage for us, please. Thank you. I will do that. Thank you so much. Thank you for letting me be here. Modupe Pupa. And may the great mother of all of us, the owner of the seven seas, may she carry you from place to place on gentle waters and never with the tidal waves of destruction. For she is a great goddess and she brings joy. She brings fertility. She brings abundance. And she always carries the protection of the mother. May she always be with you. Okay.